to the children's and toddlers' churches. And the rest of us, let's uh, turn in our Bibles. We're going to be moving through the Scripture just a little bit today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This morning, I would like to preach on the cross of Christ. I cannot think of better songs and special music that was chosen and uh, has already been chosen for this morning. And as, as we think about the cross of Christ, we need to understand a few things. We need to be reminded a few things truly and honestly the cross is the symbol of Western civilization. Uh, everything that is uh, what we know as uh, we call modern civilization, the Western world, uh, is and is symbolized by the cross of Christ. Uh, last Sunday was Memorial Day and and uh, I just went through the pictures. I found an article that had a picture of, of uh, maybe not everyone, but almost all of the foreign cemeteries where American dead is buried. And what you see in each one of them is rows of crosses. The symbol that America was here and the only land that we retained under our dominion was a place to bury our dead. No other country has a history like that. And yet the cross is the symbol that is placed over every grave. I am sure in our modern day of time and sensitivity, it's been replaced uh, with something else. But uh, you can't erase the history. Amen. Arguably, if not the most popular, <clears throat> still certainly one of the most popular pieces of jewelry, whether it's a ring, an earring. Uh, uh, I haven't seen any cross nose rings, fortunately. Uh, but on necklaces and other articles of jewelry, it's the cross. And every one of these symbols, honorably, and even those used dishonorably as a reproach upon Western civilization, as a denial to the, <clears throat> they call them artists, uh, rendition or, or uh, rebellion against the symbol of the cross, no matter how it is used, every one of them is traceable back to a hill outside the old walls of Jerusalem where our Savior, the Son of the Highest, God in human flesh, willingly laid down His life, not for Himself, but for our sins, for our guilt, for our rebellion against God so that we could be set free. So that whosoever would believe that that sacrifice Jesus made was sufficient for them could pass from the wages of sin, which is death, to the realm of eternal life. We can sing songs like the song our choir sang. There are no more burdens to bear on the other side because Jesus bore them all on the cross for us. Do we say amen to that this morning? I love that song, and can it be? It's got to be in my top Oh, boy, I hate to say this. I, uh, well, I, I love, I love music. I love hymns. But the fact that 
the God of heaven, counted me, counted you. The book of Hebrews tells us, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And, and that joy is realized on this earth since Resurrection Sunday when people assemble in the name of Jesus Christ. According to biblical order, it's a church. That promise is not just to people want to take it out of context where two or three are gathered. Well, there's two of us here. It's Jesus is here in the midst. No, that promise is to his church, my friend. Read the context. You can have a church with two or three. But you can have 10,000 and not have a church. It's got to be the Bible way. And so this morning, I'd like to preach on the cross of Jesus Christ. Simply because, as explained by the Apostle Paul, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. You see, we only have one message. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul said that he came to preach the cross. There was a lot going on in the Corinthian church that was not good. Uh, there were personality problems. There, uh, there were people that... Uh, if you read the rest of the, the context here, they, they were claiming, well, listen, my, my Christianity is the truest stripe. It was the Apostle Paul that started our church. And another one said, well, Paul was a great preacher, but the, the, the greatest preacher that we've ever had in our pulpit is Apollos. And, and so we're going to follow him. And, and, and others said, well, listen, Peter was the chiefest of the apostles, so we're going to follow him. And then you had those that, you know, isn't it amazing how people will take even the simplest and most biblical of truths and pervert them? We be of Christ. Well, let me tell you something. If there was any differences, and there were in the Corinthian church, every one of them was wrong. Are we together? And Paul was trying to straighten that out. Paul was trying to help the Corinthians understand something. There's only one message. Jesus preached that message. He preached it with his life's blood while he hung on the cross. When he walked out of the empty tomb, amen? The message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. The message that Paul preached when he started the church. The message that Apollos preached when he came later to that same church. All the same message. The reason there were differences was obviously very simple. People got their eyes off Jesus and got it on something else. That's all it takes. And so Paul, as he is preaching here and writing this letter to try to help them understand, he says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now, a stumbling block, actually, I... Uh, that word is, is not a word we use very much anymore. But how many of you have ever tried to walk on a cobblestone street? And there's always one stone that's sticking up higher than all the rest. I mean, I even get caught on the sidewalk where the tree came. And How many of you have ever just caught a toe? And I mean, it'll just shake you. Uh, make your teeth rattle sometimes because 
that, that is there. Well, a stumbling block was something that was put in the way that kept you from progressing. The Jewish people understood the God of the Bible. I mean, our building is a former synagogue. The symbols that are in the windows, each one of them are representing the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, the, the menorah, the light of the temple and the light to worship God. We have behind us the empty tomb. And the words that Jesus uttered on the cross, it is finished. We're not afraid of the connection between the Old and the New Testament. We believe in it. But see, the reason the Jewish people couldn't is because they didn't want to let go. Not all of them, of course, all the early Jewish All the early preachers in the churches were Jewish and the writers of our Bible were Jewish. But many of the Jewish people, they they stumbled because they didn't want to accept the fact that their Messiah had to suffer sin and reproach in their place. The Jewish people had suffered sin and reproach for generation upon generation as they were taken captive in Babylon. And even as Jesus walked the earth, they were under the domination of the Roman Empire. And they thought that the Messiah was coming to set them free, not to engage in the greatest humiliation of all time as the very Son of God allowed men to crucify Him. That was a hard thing to accept. And they stumbled and still do even to this day. But the Greeks, it was foolishness. Why do I need someone to die for me? Aren't my works good enough? And yet, in this day and in this time, we do not divide up humanity in these two groups, Jews and Greeks. Uh, We have many, many more divisions, but I promise you'll find yourself in one of those two camps. It's hard for many religious people to accept that Jesus' death on the cross is all that they need. They stumble at that. Well, I I have my church. I I have my priest. Isn't he good? I, I remember we had a little, years ago in the old building, we were renting... Had a, we uh, had a little lady come in. She said, you, 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 you think we Presbyterians are dirty Christians? She was from the Orient somewhere. And I'm going, no. Uh, because we, had, um, we don't do this anymore. We had had the Lord's Supper after a morning service. And we believe the Lord's Supper belongs to the members of the church alone. Because God's judgment upon people who took the Lord's Supper indiscriminately or uncarefully. That happened in the Corinthian church. There is no biblical precedent for opening it up just to anybody for any reason. Though people do these things, we want to try to be as biblically true as we can. But they stumble. People stumble when they say, you, you want me to be baptized again? I said, Absolutely not. It just, what you did the first time doesn't follow the biblical precedent. You see, you have to have an authority in order to be baptized. What is that authority? That authority is the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And that authority demands that it be practiced in a certain place, which is the church. So, you have to have a biblical authority, which is the Bible, and a church that preaches and teaches the Bible. If you don't meet those two simple biblical requirements, I don't care how wet you got or how wet you didn't get, uh, that, that doesn't constitute baptism. Baptism is simply... Following what the Bible says. 
people stumble with that. They wouldn't call themselves Jews, but they fit the category now, don't they? The other is foolishness. Oh, my. How many of our generation would be offended at being called Greeks uh, because they think the Bible is foolishness? Uh, I think of the millennial, hipster, whatever you want to call them, yuppies. I mean, they got all these names for them. The only problem is they don't know who they are, do they? You meet them, well, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. Did you ever think of asking your mom for a copy of your birth certificate? That has your name on it. That's a legal document. That'll tell you what your name is. Oh, oh, but, but I... But I I just don't know what's in my heart. Well, the Bible answers that question very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 17. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who who could... You're injuring my self-esteem. Well, that was the general intention, amen? Uh, Because until you get your self-esteem injured... The cross is going to continually be foolishness to you. I'll tell you what, I couldn't help but choking up singing that song, And Can It Be? Did he count me worthy dying for me? To give me a part in his righteousness, not because of anything that I have done. I'll tell you what, We're not afraid to preach the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody said, it's a bloody religion. Oh, yeah? Have you watched TV lately? You talk about a bloody religion? How about the blood of nearly 60 million babies poured down the sewers of this country? You want a bloody religion? There it is. The religion of Hillary Clinton and all of her people. Don't tell me that this Bible is a bloody religion. How about all the blood that was shed trying to bring peace and equality through the United Nations and through the communists? Don't tell me the Bible is a bloody book. You see, the Bible says that you're either going to stumble because you're refusing to believe what Jesus did was enough, or you're going to think it's foolishness and unnecessary. But to those that are saved, it's the power of God that He, my God, was willing to do that so that I could be saved. Let's look at chapter 2, if you're still in 1 Corinthians there. And I, brethren, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. And all God's people said. You see, that's our goal. There are so many things today that are substituted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I really didn't understand this until one day I I picked up a a uh, pro-life Document, uh, it was a circular they were passing out, brochure actually, and I began to look through it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really good. And then it says, so and so will be our speaker. She used to run an abortion clinic and now she is one of the strongest voices in America against pro, uh, against the abortion crowd. She's been born again. Oh, that arrested my attention. I said, whoa, wait, but did I read this right? And I read it several times to make sure, but 
Just because you stop performing abortions and start fighting against it doesn't mean you're going to heaven. It's only through the cross that you can find salvation for your sins. And by the way, can I add something? Well, let's, let's go to the next passage. Will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6? Hebrews chapter 6, and uh, I, this is probably one of the four or five most misunderstood passages in your entire Bible. And, and we will attempt to make it very clear and, and without any subterfuge of any kind. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6 says, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they, re- they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Now, the overall passage here, going back to verse 1, says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Uh, Paul is saying here, listen, we're, we're leaving the doctrine of salvation. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, There are some religions that that is all you get. Everything from A to Z is to someday, maybe, you'll be good enough to know that you are saved. I want to challenge you that is not a Bible faith, no matter how many Bible verses they quote, no matter how they shake the Bible and uh, hold it up, no matter how many times they mention the word of Jesus, the name of Jesus, Salvation is not the end goal of Bible Christianity. It's the beginning. Salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting point. Can we say amen to that? Any religion that spends its entire time trying to get you saved obviously is not doing a very good job. Because Jesus said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have present tense. Have everlasting life. Amen? See, that's why we preach the cross. You see, verse 6 was dealing with those. In verse 4, it tells us, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. If I'm going to preach about the cross of Christ today, we've got to spend a few moments here understanding that that cross is empty. Never again. Will Jesus, the Son of God, submit himself to the suffering and shame and reproach of mankind? He is God. Can we say amen to that? And yet there are religions whose entire context and influence is built upon a constantly crucified Christ. And it's not, I'm not picking on the Catholics and the Orthodox today only, because there are many other churches that teach that you can lose the salvation that Jesus Christ gave you and you can get it again. The only way you got saved was through Jesus' finished work on the cross. If that's not enough, then he has to be crucified again. 
and again. And Hebrews chapter 9 says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. If the cross is not enough, if the finished work of Jesus is not enough, then the only thing in this universe that can be enough for you is hell. That's what the Bible teaches. That's a terrifying thought. Therefore, we preach the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not a mere symbol. It is the place where God's holiness was satisfied through the suffering of His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. It's the place where God's love and God's wrath mitigated one another so that Jesus took upon Him all of the wrath and judgment of God so that those who would believe in Him could be set free. There's only one of them. And it's gone. Somebody said there's enough splinters of the cross of Christ in churches to build Noah's Ark. Uh, That may or may not be true. I imagine there's a little hyperbole in that statement there. But the simple truth is we don't need a splinter of the cross. We don't need a thorn of the crown. All we need to do come to the cross and believe that what Jesus did all that is necessary for salvation. Can we say amen to that? Will you turn with me to the book of Galatians? You see, accepting and understanding the cross of Christ has ramifications. It has things that that will happen. Things, if you embrace the cross of Christ, you've got to let go of some other things. You, you have to come to an understanding of something. The cross of Christ was not a practice in words or sophistry. It was a reality. And here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. Verse 19, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, And gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law. Then Christ is dead in vain. See if I embrace the cross of Christ. Guess what happens to me. I die. You see. The cross of Christ demands the end of me. No, the greatest problem, the greatest enemy you will ever face is you. And there's only one cure for you. Death. The cross. The cross that gives you eternal life is the cross that will take away all of the problems and all of the cares and all of the frustrations of this life which we now live. You know what? If I'm crucified with Christ, here's what Paul says, nevertheless, I live. He says, my body is still alive, but it's not me. I recognize my deadness to sin and and my rebellion against God, and I come. To the cross, and I surrender 
myself. Read on down in Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Galatians chapter 5, right toward the end of the chapter here. Verse 24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was true of every one of us in this room? How many of you have had to battle with the flesh this week, one way or another? Okay, if you didn't raise your hands, you just lost another battle. Amen? See, that thing called pride is everywhere, isn't it? And, and we fight that battle. How many of you know what comes just before that verse that I just read? Ladies ought to know. All their hands ought to be up. That's, that's your study, I believe, this year in the ladies' meeting is the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And uh, how do we get the fruit of the Spirit... To be demonstrated in our lives. Well, we go back to chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified. It's the death of me and myself, my desires, my plans. Jesus is not here to give you what you want. He's here to give you what he wants. Because he's the only one smart enough to know what you ought to want in the first place. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... And if you want something, then you need to get it fixed. Amen? And that's what these verses talk about. Because as we embrace the cross of Christ, it conforms us to His image. It is the way we find the death of self. So that the Spirit can come through. Let's go back to the... Uh, Galatians chapter 3. And this is the battle that if you do not win this battle, you will lose all the other ones in your Christian life. Look at verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Wow, what a rejoinder to, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of of Him, I'm sorry, my mind is not, of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Now, a lot of the modern versions, oh, they take that word out because that's an offensive word. Witchcraft, that's that's evil. You, You know what the word means? It means mesmerized is the modern word that we use. It means totally consumed. It means your attention is drawn off completely. From Jesus Christ, crucified among you. Does that sound like the cross of Christ? Sounds like it to me. Why was the attention of the Galatians drawn away from the cross of Christ? How many of you remember as we went through the book of Galatians, the problem that was in the church was there were people that were Jewish in their traditions and had become saved and decided that the traditions that they held and the faith in Christ, since the Bible agreed, they could put them all together. The only problem was they didn't get rid of their traditions. They brought them along with them. And their religion no longer was a faith-based religion that Abraham had and that David had. Isaiah and Daniel, it was a works-based religion. 
Same thing that was going on in Hebrews chapter 6, seeing they crucified to themselves. Christ again, put them to an open shame. That's something you do. That's You see, either you surrender and accept the finished work of Christ, or you're going to be doing things that are going to bring reproach upon the cross of Jesus Christ. You don't need to keep your salvation, my friend. That's Jesus' job. Amen? You don't need to earn your salvation. God's love has already taken care of that. All you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this, what Paul was doing here was, this is a complete suspension of reality. I don't know how else to call it. I uh, have picked a sci-fi phrase. I call it parallel universes. That's where you can have two existing non-truths that are in function at the same time. You say, that's nonsense. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's why Paul was writing in this method to the Galatians, says this is total nonsense. What do you think you're going to finish that Jesus hasn't already finished? Hello? Amen? Oh, me? Oh, my? Why do we fight that battle? Because that flesh comes up in us. I got to have something to do. Well, get a tool belt on and come over to Union. We'll give you something to do. No, don't do that. We had almost too many workers yesterday in the room. Um, But getting a lot done, I'll tell you after the sermon. But listen, the cross of Christ demands a total end and cessation of my activity. Absolute surrender. And it is that same absolute surrender that you found the day that you got saved that will be the key to living for Christ on a daily basis. When you find yourself in the process of trying to earn God's love or be good enough to deserve it, you need to go back to the cross. You need to spend some time there. You need to embrace that cross And allow yourself to die again so that you can live for Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? Don't worry. We're through the first page here. Actually, second page. We only got one more to go. Go to the book of Galatians, if you would, one more time. Galatians chapter 6. Down toward the end of the chapter, verse 14. Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul was trying to help the Galatians understand that this idea of a religion that is based upon what you do is foolishness. You see, the world is always concerned with accomplishments. Are they not? How many of you that work a job for someone else, would your boss keep you if you didn't do the work that they ask you to do? I got tenure. I don't do anything. No, I met one of those guys with tenure one time. He was teaching. Well, he was at the school on Rikers Island. And his responsibility was keeping track of the overhead projectors. This was many years ago. 
and, and other equipment. Because he was a teacher. He had tenure. And he got in trouble. And so they made him the equipment manager. How many people want that job? I met a guy in the building department one time. He had a fireman set of suspenders on and other things there. And little discussion I found out. He was one of those firemen that had tried to cover up all the bad things that had gone on with bribery and things in the building department in the 70s and, and the 80s by setting fire to the record room. And they couldn't fire him. So they put him in the record room to handle all the old records that he had tried to destroy. How many of you want a job like that? You see, the world is concerned with what you do. God is concerned with what Jesus did. Do you see the difference? You say, well, well, well wait a minute. Isn't he concerned about what I do? Well, no, not, not when we're talking about salvation. Because there's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's all of Jesus. Do you believe that? Say Amen. And so, Paul is trying to help us understand something here. The cross of Christ is a dividing line. If if you're going to accept it, it says, by whom the world is crucified unto me. What does that mean? Well, if the world is crucified, that means the world is dead. It's no longer a place to be. There's nothing there. Do you realize there is absolutely nothing in the world that will help you be a better Christian? You can go to churches today where they'll get an episode of Andy Griffith and they'll play it. And then they'll sit around and discuss the morality and the truths that were taught by the Andy Griffith show and call it church. Actually do that. In fact, someone developed a Sunday school lesson on, what was that, Lemony Snicket's tale of uh, some unbearable things or something stupid like that. I think the storyline was about this wicked uncle trying to kill his nephew and niece because they were trying to inherit a fortune that he wanted. Well, there's so many biblical truths taught in that. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Biblical truths might be found in the Bible and nowhere else. And even the devil is not wrong about everything, but that doesn't make him righteous. All right? Hello? Even the devil's not wrong, because if he was wrong about everything, who would believe him? But people believe him because he doesn't lie all the time, only when it matters. That's what makes American politicians so stupid, is they lie all the time. Nobody believes them. Even the devil's smarter than that. Hello? Isn't that a sad commentary on what's going on in our society today? It really is. But Paul says the cross crucifies the world. 
There is nothing in this world. When we come through those doors, we have set aside this place for us to meet as a church. We want the world on the other side. We want to be able to talk to Jesus. We want to be able to worship Him. We want to get encouraged in the things that are are in this book so that God can use us to take what's in this book to the people that are out there. And if someone's in here this morning that's unsaved, we're not against you being here. We're all for you being here. And we hope you see the difference between what is in here and what is out there and that you would be willing to come to a place called the cross of Jesus Christ and lay aside your effort, your ability, your hopes, your aspirations, everything that is about you, your failures and your sins, and simply believe it is finished and trust Jesus as your Savior. Amen? Now, if you're saved, what's the rest of that? And it says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You cannot compete or operate in this world as a Christian. One of the great misunderstandings of this book called the Bible is the, that certain churches and groups of individuals holding a Bible have believed that God gave them the call to set up His kingdom here on earth. That's why, quote-unquote, churches have fought wars. Uh, I want to challenge you that if I am dead to the world and the world is dead to me, that's what the word crucified means, then there's nothing out there that I'm trying to achieve or that I want or that I desire to have in my life. You see... The world cannot operate without selfishness. Have you ever thought about that? We've had political scientists who try to make capitalism greed, selfishness. That's what it simply is. Could I challenge you that spreading that vice around to everyone is a whole lot safer than giving it to just a few, which is what socialism is, or communism, uh, uh, that, that is certainly, uh, neither one is a very good option. But I would certainly trust everybody to have a little bit than a few people to have a lot. Uh, history has proven me correct on that, and uh, if you want to argue the point, well, we'll send you to the parallel universe uh, division, you can have it if you want it. But the simple truth of the matter is, when I'm saved, it's the only cure for selfishness. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be the only thing on earth that operates without me first involved. But me first is going to be around because there are people here. And so we've got to go back to that I'm crucified with Christ. How often did Paul say? He said, I die daily is the word, yes. Uh, sometimes it's more often than that. It's As, as uh, I've often alluded to, Living the Christian life is far more dangerous than any horror movie you can watch. 
they tell me that you have to kill the monster three times to be dead. But how many times do you have to kill self? All the time, every day. It's the life struggle of the Christian. It's the reason we experience strife and difficulty. But here's what Paul says. He says, I glory in the cross. You know what? People like to take credit for things they do. I remember trying to deal with that many years ago when I played my saxophone regularly and practiced. Somebody said, oh, that was such a wonderful thing. And I'm trying to go, well, I'm... The Lord's the one that gave me the ability. I praise the Lord for that. Yeah, I had somebody sit me down and say, listen, it's not wrong to take credit for something. And I'm sitting there, isn't there something wrong with this? Yeah, there is, because Paul said, I glory in the cross. When is the last time when something good happened in your life that you just stopped and thanked Jesus for the cross because it was the cross that allowed him to save me from my sins and brought Jesus into my life. And it's the cross that allows anything that can be accomplished with this human flesh to give glory to God. It's the cross. You see... The cross of Christ is our only message. The cross of Christ is the only place of salvation. The cross of Christ is the only cure for self and selfishness. The cross of Christ is the only place for glory. Because... All because of the cross. It's all about the cross. It's all because of the cross. It's all about the cross of Christ. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you on a Sunday morning. Just before we open the altars and ask people to come and pray, Lord, we don't want this to be just another Sunday. But Lord, our glory, our praise, our exaltation would all be about the cross. We ask you to work. That the world can see Jesus in us as individuals and in our church. They would see the difference that the preaching of the cross makes. It's in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As we sing, the altar is open.